This is Spilling Royal Tea with Sean Mandel and Craig Robert Young. So I watched it like as I was like group texting um, several of my girlfriends and it was really, really fun. I traveled 130 miles from my little village in Norfolk all the way to Windsor. I guess maybe I expected it to be a little bit more stuffy. How in love Megan and Harry were. Like they were touching each other's hands all throughout the ceremony. And of course, we saw Harry say, You look amazing to Megan, which was so awesome and so great to see that. They were just so in love. The lump was well and truly in the throat. Just to see, as a black woman, to see blackness represented in a royal wedding was cool as fuck. The children, <laughs> the little kids, I couldn't handle them. They were just too much. Um, especially Charlotte. She's the one who waves, right? <laughs> um, so I loved her. I just loved they were into it and also not into it, and it was great. My mom was a big Diana fan, and nothing makes her feel more alive than talking about how ugly Camilla is. <laughs> also, what I love, Maggie, was watching like the camera pans uh, to the audience during the preacher's sermon because they all look kind of shook and shocked. And this Oprah, okay, her church rock gave me life. Like them, like driving. I was like, this is an aesthetic that I wish I could achieve. Like it was so like movie, like cinematic. It looked amazing. All right, royal wedding weekend. It happened. It was real. I was there. You were there. Oh, well, you well, were watching it. But via I was, television. Via television. I was physically there. Megan waved at me. I saw <laughs> Harry and William like do their walkabout the day before, which was bonkers. Like I, <laughs> bonkers. It was bonkers. You come back with the British sayings and accent now. I you know. was only there for three days, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> this was just an excuse though to actually finally be able to use those sayings. Isn't it? it? <laughs> isn't it? Well it's early days, isn't it, Craig? It is, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about the wedding. Oh my god, the fever. The... It was such a great atmosphere. I have to tell you, I've never been to something like this and the atmosphere there was just awesome. It was, it was so British. It was so polite and civilized. There were people picking up trash throughout the event. So, like by the end, yeah, yeah. So, by like that in America is unheard of. By the way, there would have been riots. You know, it would have been it would have turned into like celebratory riots. Well, that's people what we picking do. up other people's litter. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, and they had staff as well picking it up like throughout the entire thing. But it was just, I think, a really magical experience. That being said, there are some very very serious and controversial things we have to discuss about this wedding. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, I think let's just, you know, we have so much to discuss, I think we should just dive right get in. in. Let's get into it. This is Spilling Royalty, a podcast that follows the piping hot engagement of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, from the annals of British history to the wedding chapel at Windsor Castle. The show is half British. And half American, just like the historic marriage of Meghan and Harry. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and TMZ's unofficial royal correspondent. And I'm Craig Robert Young, a British-born thespian working in Hollywood, but with a childhood thoroughly steeped in the Crown's culture. In each episode, we will spill the tea. That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about Meghan and Harry. Tea will be served with some English history and cultural translations from across the pond that you can't go without. So, without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. 
just one, something new. Her dress, I, in theory, liked it. I loved it. I thought it was very simple and elegant. It's like sexy, but like in like a chill Audrey Hepburn kind of way. It just, it didn't even fit her. Her dress, I know, was like a toss up, but I really, I liked it. So we had all these etiquette experts and all these fashion people, and they were, so I heard what they were, she's going to do this, she's going to wear this, she's going to be glam, she's going to be American, she's going to be out there. And out she comes, and she was a real American beauty. Oh, I read somewhere that it might be controversial that Megan left wisps of her hair out instead of having them all in place. Uh, I will say that I have never given up on a face-framing tendril. Um, okay, the first thing that I have to talk about is the dress. So, yeah. So what were you expecting, and what did you find? I definitely was expecting modern, which I did get. Um, I, I did get some sort of like, you know, clean lines, for example, right? Like there wasn't a lot of embellishment on the dress. Uh, you know, we should say for just as a upfront, the designer behind the dress was uh, Claire White Keller. She is a British designer, uh, a woman, uh, for, but she was designing for French fashion house. Givenchy. Right, which is a little bit, it's so funny because again, all the tweets from Kensington Palace and everything, they like, it was like Claire White Keller, a British woman designer parentheses for Givenchy <laughs> because it's like a French fashion house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I thought yeah. that that was kind of a controversial thing. But on one hand, it was also smart because the dress was designed in Paris and everyone was looking around all the, you the know, the, yeah, yeah. Every, all the or, British press were all the Australians. We reported wrong. We we were told. Yeah, that we had heard that Ralph and Russo. Exactly. Because they're, they're Australians, but they're London based. And that kind of made sense, right? Because it's like the Commonwealth. They're like Commonwealth designers. And Harry's the ambassador for like youth Commonwealth. And yeah. Megan, we're now being told, is going to take on a role with the Commonwealth. So like, uh, it seemed to make sense. And, and they were definitely a red herring. Because remember, you talked to them and they're like, oh, we can't confirm or just, Totally a red herring. Whether we're designing the dress or not. So So they definitely threw us off the scent a little bit there. Threw us off the scent, like an (laughs) Agatha Christie novel. So so what did you think of the dress? So here's the thing. I'm just going to get right into it. So a boat neck is a hard neck silhouette situation. Um, She did look nice in it. Um, The dress didn't fit her in my opinion. It was baggy in the arms. It was baggy. Now, this is also, you know, (laughs) creating conspiracy theories because it was very unfitted around her midsection. Yeah. When she got out of the car, who was the lady that was like... That was Claire. That That was Claire that that was 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 pushing down her her whole dress at the front on her tummy. I was like, that's a little inappropriate to touch her in those areas. Well, you're not supposed to touch a royal. I mean, I guess technically she was minutes away from becoming a royal, so she was still allowed to touch her. But still, yeah, it was a little creased there. It was creased. It was creased in the middle. It was too wide. I thought the arms, again, needed to be taken in. I'm not a fan of a three-quarter length sleeve. I don't understand the purpose of it. It has no purpose in the real world. Um, So there's that. Again, she was, you know, very widely praised by a lot of people mm-hmm. for the simplicity of it, yeah. right? For the modernity that she wasn't doing this big princess gown with. I mean, honestly, the engagement dress that she wore by Ralph and Russo was way more fanciful yeah. of a Flashy, dress. Way sort of, flashier. Yeah. You know, Fashion forward. 
This was simple. It was a simple. I thought, in my opinion, I thought it was. What did you think of it? I thought it was a little. I thought it was elegant. I thought it was simple. I think she probably didn't want to. Yeah. um, Do something over the top. Yeah. Which I I agree with, by the way. Especially because you know, there's this whole thing with the Brits. Sometimes they think Americans are very flashy. Right. So you know, I think for her, she wanted. And she doesn't want to look like a gold digger or something like that. She wants to look modest. Yeah. And I think she she pulled that off. I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. However, I'm not a fashion expert. So. I mean, I'm not either. It's just... I mean, yes, you are. I mean, <laughs> I just have seen probably too many seasons of Project Runway is what this is. And I think that I'm Michael Kors. Or RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean... I, she I, didn't I, look like a drag queen, that's for sure. Right. I love clean lines. I love simple. I love elegant. I love modern. But if you're going to do that, it has to be executed to perfection. Yeah. And if it did fit... Because, like, for example, look at, like, Kate Middleton's dress. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, that dress was tailored within an inch of its life. Yeah. Like, fit her perfectly. Like, she was not allowed to have a banana before that wedding yeah. because it would have ripped a seam. So, like, this dress, I mean, it just, it drove me crazy because if you're going to really show off the craftsmanship behind it, which, by the way, apparently cost $400,000, something I was hearing, which is around what Kate's dress. For the dress? For the dress. $400,000. $400,000. That's what I've been hearing. What was it was, made of? 24-karat gold inside? I mean... Hidden, hidden things in... I mean, I mean it's all hand-sewn, right? It's all, like, yeah, I mean, it's just fabric. Like, I mean, it, Well, ridiculous. it's silk. I believe it was all silk. So, I mean, like, that's expensive, um, you know? Yeah. And all the trains. Worms. Right, exactly. Those poor worms. <laughs> Working I worms. mean, what does PETA have to say about that? But that's a whole other thing. Um, but, so... My thing is just if you're going to do something so simple, which I would have loved, I think I would have loved the dress if she could have just had it. It needed one more fitting, which, by the way, by the way, I'm not the only person who feels this way. Um, Katy Perry um, (laughs) tweeted about this, right? She did. Um, It was quite biting. (laughs) She said, I would have done one more fitting, just like you said. And then she goes on to say, I'm never not going to tell the truth. One more fitting, but I love you. Girl was right. I hate to admit it, but when Katie's right, she's right. Does she know her? No, I don't think so. Well, why does she love her then? I think she's just saying, like, you know. I don't know. I think that Katy Perry can sometimes be a little little outspoken. It's like, you know what? Sometimes just keep your opinions to yourself. It's right. a girl's big day. I mean, I will say this. I wasn't tweeting. I mean, I did not want to tweet about it, tweet about my opinions about it. I mean, granted, I'm coming on a podcast now that I'm saying, <laughs> talking about it. But, like, I gave, I gave I'm it a... I'm the nice one, everyone, just FYI. <laughs> I, I'm usually the nice one. Um, I gave it a grace period because I didn't want to. Po- and I also, like, I didn't want to go on, like, Twitter and, like, blast the dress or whatever. But I just, in my opinion, I think that if it had been tailored more, it would have just made all the difference in the world and it yeah. really would have shown off. But, you know, that being said, again, I'm in, I think I'm in the minority. Well, let's start with the Washington Post, what the Washington Post said. The Washington Post said that the dress was free of extravagant embellishes. Um, it was not covered in yards of delicate lace. It did not have a single ruffle, which, by the way, her engagement dress did. Yeah. There were no pearls or crystals. It was beauty in its architectural lines and its confident restraint. It was a romantic dress, but one that suggested a clear-eyed understanding that a real-life romance is not the stuff of fairy tales. The dress was a backdrop. It was in service to the woman. I agree with all of that, except it needed to be tailored. It was very Parisian, actually, if you really look it at is, it. It, it is. was, you know, you could see Audrey Hepburn in something like that. Well, you know? and Givenchy. Yeah. The house of, of Givenchy, like, it became famous because of Audrey Hepburn's patronage. Yeah. You know what the other interesting analogy that it brought for me was um, uh, Princess Anne. It, it reminded me of Princess Anne's wedding dress a little bit. It had Princess Anne had, like, the higher neck and, like, the weird turtleneck thing that I hated and, like, the weird droopy sleeves. But again, you know, I mean, it was, the, that was the time. <laughs> um, but, like, in terms of how covered it was, I definitely, you know, 
you know, thought that it was reminiscent of that. And just in the simplicity, you know. Yeah. We, we, we've just gone over this about the uh, appearance of that it was baggy in places. Right. It was a stressful time for her leading up to this. And yeah. She probably lost you a know lot what? of weight. Everyone was telling me about that. Because when I was just talking to people on the ground in Windsor that day, yeah. I was like, because, you know, again, like, I didn't want to put it, like, publicly out there that I would, because I also, you know, I mean, it's just not a good look. But I was... Um, I was talking to people about that, and everyone was like, you know, it's yeah, she's had a lot of family drama going on, um, thanks in part to TMZ. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, they were kind of wondering, like, is this, you know, do you think she lost weight at the last minute? And I said, you know what? I bet that's probably right. But at the same time, I was like, you're marrying Prince Harry. Like, Claire couldn't come in and, like, you know, I mean, I've seen Phantom Thread. They made some, like, they they whipped up a dress in, like, 12 hours, you know, when, uh, what's his name? Fell on the dress. And then I also saw another headline that was like, see what sexy dress Megan changed into for the reception. And I was like, I must see. It was so gorgeous. It fit her so beautifully. Yeah, it was like a whole different bride. It, I felt like that dress was like very Megan. Reception dress. Yes. yes. That was beautiful. Yes. Much I- better. Thank you. The Stella McCartney reception dress that she wore, I know it showed her like arms, which is like, you know, kind of scandalous, but I thought it was absolute perfection because it was still modest in the sense that like she was very covered up, you know, from, you know, neck to all the way down. Yeah. And it was just the way it flowed, it was so elegant. And that picture of Harry wearing... By the way, Harry deserves style props for the velvet dinner jacket that he wore. Yes. I didn't realize that it was velvet at first because I just was so frantically looking at pictures. Yeah, and then I, felty velvet. Yeah you, yeah, you couldn't really tell. But then when you go back and look at it, you see that the jacket is different than the pants. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, he's wearing a like, baller. baller. Very James Bond. Very, right, those were the vibes that it was getting. Cause especially because they had the vintage Jaguar yes. you know, that, they, that had been cool. Con- just that car. Oh my gosh. I was standing outside the gates Ugh. trying to, I mean, with all these paparazzi with like telephoto lenses, and I'm with my little iPhone being like, <laughs> zoom in, zoom in. Like, come on, I gotta get the picture. Like, no. Um, but I just thought that that was, and I think that that was very Megan as well. That was very modern. And I love that, she, again, she went with a British woman, I mean, woman designer as well, you know, because that's the other thing. There are quite a lot of men uh, in the fashion, fashion yeah. in the fashion industry. I think it's great that she chose two um, female designers to design both of her dresses. Um, but let's step back. I jumped forward. Yeah, no um, let's, let's go back to talking about some of the other items from the main wedding dress, which were the, the veil and the yes. tiara. It was uh, five meters long, which is veil, 16 yeah. feet. It was made from silk. Uh, embroidered. This is what I loved about it. It was, it was very representative because it was embroidered with the, the flowers of all the 53 Commonwealth wasn't that great? nations along the edge. I mean, we couldn't really see it from the television. It wasn't, you know, our eyes were, were not on the details. Right. But afterwards, to know that fact, I thought it was really cool. It's a nice detail. Yeah, you know, and it represents the roles that both Harry and uh, Meghan are going to be taking on as youth ambassadors to um, the British world. Yeah, it was really, um, really spectacular. And there was um, also the beautiful tiara. Yes. There was so much. I have to tell you, I was standing out there in Windsor and we were all trying to, when we saw her drove by, because I I got this, like, they were rushing by, by the way. She was driving very fast because they were late. For whatever reason, we got notice that she was 15 minutes late leaving um, the hotel, the Cliveden. Clifton. Clifton. Clifton, yeah. Uh, the Clifton Hotel. And so, and the, like, you do not be late, like, because, you know, the queen, like, you have to stick to the schedule. So they were zooming at a clip there. Um, but so we were all trying to guess. We were, like, zooming 
zooming in on these pictures, you know, again on our phones trying to see what it was. And everyone's like, it's this tiara. And like, or I forget what I, there were all, there were three tiaras that we were all speculating, but it ended up that it was the um, Queen Mary's diamond and platinum bandeau tiara. Uh, it was lent to Megan by Queen Elizabeth, of course. Uh, the tiara was created in 1932, which you can kind of look like if you look at it, it has a deco yeah. kind of quality yeah. to it. It's very Gatsby. And its central brooch, you know, in the center, there's a giant stone. It, that dates back further, though, to 1893. And I believe there was a different brooch originally in there. I believe it was like an emerald um, or something. It was a different stone. So they custom uh, they, they, customized it for Megan? I, I, that's what I've been trying to figure out is if the, if it had already been changed since Queen Mary's time. Because I think when Queen Mary wore it, there was a different stone. Right. And I don't know what point they changed out the brooch at the center, which is so weird to think of like a brooch in a tiara, but I guess it's a thing. Yeah. So, um, was it housed at the tower with the rest you know, of the that's crown a good jewels? Question. I don't think so because I think the crown jewels are only, uh, someone's going to correct me on this. <laughs> My understanding is that the crown jewels only come out for state occasions, whereas the queen has like, and Princess Diana had a collection of tiaras and stuff like that that they have at Buckingham Palace, at uh, Kensington just Palace. Just in their wardrobe. Just in the wardrobe, <laughs> as you do. With the Hermes bags. You know, <laughs> next to the Birkins um, that you bust out for if you have a dinner party, you have to go to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's not forget the fashion statement of our own Prince Harry. Um, both Prince Harry and the Duke of Cambridge, William, wore the frock coat uniform of the Blues and the Royals. It's a classic army uniform, you know. They sort of had like this petal thing sort of going down. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of interesting. And even though Harry is no longer serving in the army, he took over the title Captain General of the Royal Marines when his grandfather, Prince Philip, retired. Yeah. Um, it, it was a little more subdued than, I think, you know, Prince William's wedding, which was, you know, the royal fairy tale of the red. Right. You know, it was like, uh, this was obviously a little different. Um, yeah, it was and, all black, primarily, you know, yeah. a little bit a little bit toned down. Yeah, and uh, Prince William also sported this golden braids on the right side of his uniform because he, he was bes- uh, bestowed as an aide-de-camp to the Queen, ah. which is, means he's just like a big-time assistant. Yes, well, yeah. he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, they both looked, you know, statuesque, you know, six foot two. Very you know, handsome yeah. soldiers. Very, yeah, very, very so. Officers Soldiery. and gentlemen. Oh, and gentlemen, both of them. I loved that. It was great. Um, so now let's, let's take a look at um, big picture. Of all the people, there were a lot of celebrities there. Yes. There were a lot of members of the royal family there. Yep. Who wore it best for you? Or, uh, or, what's, or maybe I should just say, what stood out to you? <laughs> what stood out? Well, I have to say, actually, that somebody that's not getting an awful lot of credit for what she was wearing was yeah. Janina Gavanka. Oh. She had a beautiful was that the orange? burn orange. That would, no, that was spectacular. because Stunning. I have to tell you, everyone there, all the reporters, no one knew who she was. Yeah, she, no was, one, a, she was a who. She was a total who. <laughs> and everyone there was asking, who is this gorgeous woman in the orange dress? It's stunning. She was amazing. Beautiful, beautiful. I thought she really stood out for me. Yeah. But somebody else that stood out for all the wrong reasons was um, Princess Eugenie. Oh, again? She looked like a Pan Am air stewardess. <gasps> Did you not think from like the well, 1950s? now I do. Now I it do. It was called kind of like this pale blue I was outfit just, I just looked to them. With a pillbox hat. Yeah, I was just looking to them to make sure that it wasn't the disaster that it was last time. <laughs> so, and I was just, and then I was like, okay, good. They toned it down. They definitely and then toned I, it down. And then I just sort of looked looked away. Yeah, she looked a little fly away to me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, what about you? Who did you think wore it best? I thought Amal and George Clooney looked spectacular. 
George Clooney is just like he's the new Sean Connery, right? Yeah, like, he's the most interesting man in the world. He's the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> he looks good no matter what age he is. And Amal, like she wore yellow as a white woman wearing yellow. Like let me tell you, like that is a bold move because it is a hard color to pull off. And she looked, I thought she looked stunning in it. Um, yeah. And in terms of, uh, I guess. You know, I, worst dressed, if I had to go with someone worst dressed, I mean, well, one funny dress was Pippa Middleton with the, I didn't, I thought she looked nice, but everyone was comparing her to a can of uh, Arizona green tea, or is it iced tea? There is a shot of Megan walking down the aisle, and it's like legitimately one of the most like beautiful photographs I've ever seen. Like the way the light hits her, because I don't think the church has any like artificial lighting, so it looked like she was just using like natural lighting slash you know like sunlight. So I like saw that, and I was like, this picture is iconic. We all know Megan's dad wasn't there, and she was able to kind of walk by herself. I mean, that's amazing. You, you don't need a man to walk you down the aisle. The Harry lip bite when he sees uh, Megan. I mean, we all want to have someone bite their lip at the thought of seeing us. Um, well, I know I certainly do. Imagine governments and nations where love is the way. I think that the preacher stole the show. Imagine this tired old world when love is is the way. When when love. What I liked the, the most was that he refused to tone down his passionate message on power and love. And like you know, in black churches, we do like call and response. Like everyone says, "Amen." Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And it looked like he was like waiting for a response, and everyone just you know silent. People can look into what the royals thought, and, and oh, were they sniggering? Were they this? People. Love that. I love that. Everybody I've spoken to loved this guy. He was doing 60 in a 30 zone. Even the choir singing songs that were used in the civil rights movement. When the choir sung Stand By Me. Oh my God. And I was just like, ah, oh, totes emotion. I know that they changed their vows. I, Harry, take you, Megan, to be my wife. I, Megan, take you, Harry, to be my husband. And they changed the wording. Instead of having man and wife, it was husband and wife. That was so cool. And I think they took out the word obey. To love and to cherish. Till death, often part. They're saying their vows and they laugh when they hear the crowd because we're all screaming. Two young people fell in love and we all showed up. And I believe also at the end they sang as they were leaving this little light of mine, yeah. which is, again, you know, has a very strong connection to civil rights movement, yep. to the African-American community. Um, so a very a big departure from things we've seen in the past. And so, followed by the sermon, you know, we then had the wonderful procession, which uh, the carriage procession. You were there. I what was, was there. It, like in person? It, it was magical. Like, there's just, it's just very hard to, uh, you can't, you can't be cynical in a moment like that.
to something old. Here's my question, though. Like, what can she do now? Can she still work? Is she now just, like, trapped in the castle? So, what now? I mean, the biggest question this wedding is raising for people is, what do the married couple do now? Exactly. Um, well, they reign, is the short answer. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not actually on the throne. But... Uh, they represent. Right. So... To be a royal is a job, actually. Yeah. It is really what it is. Um, And there's a long tradition to this. So I think one good example that we should look to is the example of um, Sophie Rhys-Jones. She married Queen Elizabeth's youngest child, Prince Edward. Um, She is now a countess, uh, her royal highness. And basically she was trying to keep her career after being married. She married in 1999, uh, also at St. George's Chapel, we should note. Yeah. Um, And so obviously, you know, Prince Edward is one of Queen Elizabeth's children, a main member of the royal family, but still, you know, is not uh, one of the more prominent, you know, certainly not someone that maybe people in the U.S. might. He was sort of the shy one as he was growing up. Exactly. Um, The press kind of left him alone. They did. Um, And so after uh, she got married, uh, she kept her career as a public relations executive secret until uh, an undercover tabloid reporter Uh-oh. yep, posed <laughs> as a potential client and got her to dish dirt on her royal in-laws. Oh, dear. And so that created quite a bit of a controversy. Um, this is the fake shake. Is I think he was like he was. Po- do you remember this? That's right. Yeah, I he do. was this guy pr- posing as a shake, but yeah. he was not a shake. So hence the fake shake scandal. And this has actually got uh, the Duchess of York in trouble as well, um, and why she didn't get invited to William and Kate's wedding because of the same uh, fake shake. Yeah, and so Sophie, because of this scandal, stepped down from her job after that and undertook royal engagements instead on a full time basis, meaning opening hospitals, doing charity work, you know, meeting with uh, first responders in terms of you know, uh, crises, etc. Um, keeping her out of trouble, basically. <laughs> yeah, but also like doing good, you know, good works on behalf of the monarch as the head of state, right? Yeah. Um, so one thing we should note as well for Meghan and Harry is that the cost of a security detail for them uh, living outside of Kensington Palace, um, you know, like say you know in Toronto or something, would be astronomical. So you know, it's easier for them and cheaper on the British taxpayer for them to stay at Kensington Palace and for them to do the work of the monarchy as opposed right. to then if Megan were to go back and continue working on suits you know she'd have to go to Toronto the cost of that security and everything would be quite heavy yeah on the public on the British public as well exactly um, yeah because uh, Harry and, and now by default Megan's new gig is youth ambassador for the Commonwealth so they will be doing a lot of traveling all around to all the right. different nation, the Commonwealth nations well and Megan already incorporated them into the wedding as we talked about yeah the veil that's right and um you know, William K. and Harry are already the head of the Royal Foundation with charities for mental health, veterans, children in the environment. So naturally, Harry and Meghan will, you know, they'll continue that work and probably be very, very busy. Very active. I mean, we've seen that this week already, Meghan and Harry are, are beginning their work in terms of going to engagements. They're not missing, you know, a second um, yeah. from, the, from the time their wedding ended. You know, most couples would be on a honeymoon. Yeah. You know, she, Meghan has said she is not a lady who lunches. She want, always wanted to be a woman who works. And so I think... Are they going to honeymoon? Do you know much about that? Anything happening on the To horizon? be continued. All right. To be continued. All I can't right. say anything yet. Verse 
You know, one of the things we've always wanted to offer in this podcast uh, is not only headlines, but historical context. That's right. To all the breaking news, you know, that we're covering about mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan. Um, and so this week, to help us situate this historic wedding um, within the rest of royal wedding history, uh, we decided to bring on uh, Erica Martirano and Marissa Sangiacomo from the One True Pairing podcast. Uh, welcome, Erica and Marissa. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for being with We're us. We're so excited to be here. Okay, so since you know couples so well, um, our big question for you is, how do you think Harry and Meghan's wedding marked a departure from other royal or, you know, pseudo-royal, a.k.a. celebrity weddings um, that we've seen in the past? So I think the biggest difference, I mean, we can get into more of the interesting, like, historical details of the differences in what they wore, the differences in, like, the traditions of the wedding. But I think the biggest difference is the vibe. I think this felt more like watching a friend's wedding. It, it was the way they looked at each other the whole time, the way the way they incorporated um, different traditions into it, I think just felt so much more romantic. When you watch Kate and, and Will, you know, there's a difference because he'll be king someday. So there's a little bit more tradition to that. It was more of a state affair. This had a lot of their friends. Um, it just felt a lot, I think, a lot more romantic. Do you think she had a Pinterest, you know, a board where she was like... I kind of imagine her I being a little a more analog in the planning to make sure yeah. that no one actually accidentally stumbles on oh, it. That's true. So I see her kind of like the wedding planner version of Carrie Matheson with this big <laughs> yes. board. Yes, oh my God, I love that. threads going back and forth. For our like, listeners, okay. Carrie Matheson is yeah. from Homeland and she has this, cra- <laughs> if you haven't already seen it, she has this insane <laughs> board that she creates out of a wall in her apartment of all these different like terrible terrorist suspects that she's like trying to link together with like red thread and it's totally full on crazy carry but yes i i yeah. i 1000 percent see that it's like it's a good way for her to make sure that she is planning it the way she wants but also no one can accidentally like stumble on what she's thinking right 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 i love that idea i know that we've been talking about how the wedding was uh maybe different you know than for example william and Catherine's uh wedding uh, and they had a little bit more leeway but in what ways can we see maybe a constant Continuity between um, Meghan and Harry's wedding and, you know, other royal weddings of the past. So traditionally, people would send gifts to the couple, the royal couple. And Elizabeth got something like 25,000 gifts or 2,500 gifts from around the world. And Will and Kate were the first ones to say, we'd prefer that you guys donate that to charity. Which to me felt really, like, again, fresh and modern. And Harry and Meghan are taking it a step further, and they specified charities that they want people to donate to in lieu of sending gifts. And one of them is really kind of, you know, personal to us as women. They're looking to educate people in India specifically about menstruation, which I I think is really refreshing and super, just super modern, really feminist. And again, just the way that they're departing from a lot of the traditions with the royal couples, which I love. Yeah, I thought that that was really, I saw, um, I just got back from the UK last night and I was watching there was a BBC report and um, they were talking to the people who run that charity. The big thing they were talking about is how talking about menstruation in India is very taboo still. And I thought it tied in so perfectly to Megan. We've known that Megan was a feminist, but you know, obviously we didn't know how much she was going to maybe try and downplay or soft pedal or, you know, pursue a feminist agenda while not actually out- outwardly labeling that agenda as feminist. But, you know, the day after the wedding, we also get her official webpage. Um, on the royal family website 
which says, you know, in big, bold letters, like in a, in a font bigger than everything else on the page, it said, I'm proud to be a woman and a feminist. And, you know, and undoubtedly, the queen would have had to sign off on that. Um, and as a main member of the royal family, I think that's quite a big deal. So, um, yeah, I think that's another, I think that's a great way of showing as well, you know, just what new territory we're in here. It's, it's amazing. It's wonderful to watch. Uh, and then lastly, I just love that the rescue pup was there. Yes, yeah. guy. Little beagle who rode with the queen. I saw that photo like a day later, or whatever, because I was just so you know swamped with madness, and I was like, wait a minute, he was with the queen, and it just like warmed my heart because you know like the queen's dogs loved Megan, and then uh, the queen just lost her last corgi, corgi. and then the queen's riding with Guy, and because you know the other rescue dog had to stay in Toronto, and I was just like having all of the feels. <laughs> that dog is like a legit rags to riches story. Yeah. Like, he came Some... from the streets of Houston, and then boom. He Riding with the fucking queen. It's amazing. I'm going to write a children's book about Guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It could be like Marlon Bundo. Yeah. No, I know. That's going to be. You know, I always thing. said when I when I come back in, a, in uh, another life, I, I want to be one of Elton John's dogs. Oh yeah. Basically, you want to be a queen's dog. Exactly. So, if people want to listen to to more couple stories on one true pairing, where can they check it out? They can listen to us at applepodcast.com/otp. Uh, we're also on Stitcher and Spotify, and they can uh, watch our weird tweets <laughs> at Twitter on OTP underscore pod. Verse four, something blue. Okay, for our Something Blue segment, we actually have something tangible in honor of the royal wedding to share with our listeners. We have Lord Stephen Rossiter on the podcast from Highland Titles, a company with a creative new approach to preserving Scottish land from overdevelopment. Lord Stephen, welcome to Spilling Royalty. Well, hello. Thank you very much for inviting me onto your show. Oh, thanks for being with us. So, Lord Stephen, tell us a little bit about uh, Highland Titles. What, uh, what's its mission? Uh, what, what are its sort of core values? Of course, yeah. Highland Titles is essentially a conservation company. And we own two nature reserves in the Highlands of Scotland. Uh, they're about an hour apart, and they're on the, uh, the west side. So uh, the first one is up near Glencoe, which is the main one. And then we have another one around about an hour beyond in Loch Harbour. As you said in your introduction, it's a little bit unique in the way that we fund the nature reserves. We don't have any government funding whatsoever. All of our funds are raised by the selling of souvenir plots of land. So uh, you can go to our website at highlandtitles.com and read all about the wonderful work that we do with, uh, with the nature reserves. And you can then purchase your very own one, ten, hundred, or thousand square foot plot wow. um, of land for as little as 40, uh, $46. Wow, that's amazing. We understand that you ran a, a very special offer in advance of the royal wedding. We put a, a release out to say that if you're a married couple uh, called Harry and Meghan, uh, <laughs> then we, we would give you your very own one uh, plot of land each. So you'd have a plot of land next to each other, and then you could be called Lord Harry and Lady <laughs> Meghan. Because I think what I didn't explain earlier is, is that the fun part of all this is because you own land in Scotland, yeah. uh, you're, you're a laird. Laird means landowner, and that translates into English as Lord, and the female equivalent is Lady. Oh. 
Wow. So, okay, that's so interesting. The to fun know. part is that, uh, and it, it is a fun title. It's a courtesy title. You're not going to get any royal privileges at all by having this title. Uh, <laughs> did did you, you did you happen have... to get any Meghan and Harrys just out of interest? As it happens, I don't think we have yet. But I'm sure <laughs> your podcast reaches millions and millions of Americans. So if there are any out there, uh, they just have to drop an email to Royal Wedding at highlandtitles.com uh, we just need to see their marriage certificate and some ID with address and we'll sort it all out so now that Harry and Meghan you know are themselves you know newly titled uh, Harry was before but he has a new title as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex so is is it still possible you know you're saying it's still possible for ordinary commoners like ourselves to gain land and title it absolutely is. In Scotland, uh, there is no um, land registry requirements for land under, uh, I think it's half an acre. So um, we quite legitimately can offer one ten hundred thousand square foot plots on our nature reserve. So what you're saying is that Craig, myself and Maggie are Maggie Van Dorn, our executive producer, we can all become lords and ladies ourselves. <laughs> well, actually, uh, a bit quicker than you think, because uh, hopefully someone's about to now share with you the fact that I've uh, allocated three plots of land. <gasps> and by the wisdom of modern technology, we have whizzed across uh, by email a copy of your certificate. So you, you are really now Lord Sean, <laughs> Lord Craig. And Lady Maggie, is she there? Is they- <laughs> wait, yeah, we have to get Maggie. Yeah, into wait, this. Wait, wait, Maggie. Wait. Oh my goodness, I'm like, I'm like, just, uh, I'm, I, I'm. Maggie, are you there? Right hello, hello. I can't. Or should I, I say heard the exciting news? Wait, should I say Milady? Milady. Milady. And I, and I decided to go with Margaret. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Lady, Lady Margaret, Lady Margaret, Lady Margaret. Yes. <laughs> well, how appropriate. Quite, quite, quite right, too. Wow, I, I feel so privileged. I, I know. I, 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 do you feel changed? I do. Sure? I just feel that, you know, now I'm different. I'm than, sitting upright. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's a, I have a new outlook yes. on life. I'm going to change my Instagram name to Lord yes. Craig oh Robert Young. You have to put some sort of like, um, you have to put like a crown emoji or something in, yeah. your, in your profile. Where, well, I feel like anointed. Oh, I mean, we have been. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Lady Margaret, I, I think you can testify to this having uh, Lady Margaret and I go back quite a ways. That this is like every, all of our friends' worst nightmare for me. That I am finally... A title <laughs> and everybody at work as well. Yes. Oh, everyone at work hates. Will hate. This. They're going to bow down to you. Oh, as they, you enter. they already asked me if I came back with an English accent for my trip. So now that I tell them I'm a proper lord, this will drive them insane. Well, Stephen, if we want to come visit this plot of land, this uh, deed and title that we now possess, where where can we go? You, yeah, absolutely, and we encourage that. It's one thing that we do love people to come and. Uh, and see that the nature reserve is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, we do have a, a, um, a, a ward and a manager there uh, during the day. And if you want to be escorted to your plot, fill in the form online. Tell us when you want to come and we'll squeeze you in. But I tell you, we get very, very busy, especially around the summer. So what we've done is we've developed an app. And you can download Ooh. the Highland Titles app. Uh, put in the details of your plot number and a few other bits and pieces, and it will tell you exactly how far you are from anywhere in the world to your plot. So when you get to the land, it literally brings it right down to 
two meters this way, one meter that way <gasps> forward. Totally fantastic. Lord I mean. Stephen, um, speaking now as the newly minted Lord <laughs> Sean Arthur Mandel, uh, thank you so much for dignifying us with these titles. You're welcome. One thing I will say to your uh, to the listeners of this podcast, yes. if they do want to take advantage of, of this, then uh, until the end of June, we will give a uh, 10% exclusive discount to your podcast listeners. Oh, so great. All the- all they have to do is in the discount box when checking out, just put Royal T10. That's R O Y A L and T E A 10, as in your, as in spilling world feet. There you go, you get it Wonderful. for almost just over $40. There. Yeah, just over $40, and you get your one square foot pop. Lord Stephen, thank you so much for all your work uh, in land preservation and for coming on to talk with us about it. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, thank Lordy. You. All right, take care. <laughs> Well, Lordy B. Lordy B. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well... I say that just about does it for us. Um, we've we've made it through the the big day, yeah. and um, so I guess until we get to our next royal wedding, I'm looking at you, George. Um, that's <laughs> oh, ra- well, actually, uh, we we do know that there is a royal wedding. That's coming true. Up. Yeah, we have. Uh, is it Princess Eugenie? Eugenie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, some more things to come. So maybe maybe we'll be back then. Yeah, we'll maybe have to we'll do a special see. a special episode yeah. After, yeah. after that wedding. Um, exactly. Because I'm sure not many people will be covering it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Certainly not as many as this one, for sure. And, you know, as this is our final episode of uh, Spilling Royal Tea, I'm going to spill some royal tears in a second. Oh. We would like to thank the following talented individuals that spoke. Haley Kluska. Eric Silver. Sarah Esikoff. Rob Schulte. Sienna Fiquette and Shiva Bayat. Sound design by Rebecca Seidel. Along with TMZ's sound engineers, Maddie Sumita, Jason Rubin, and Sergio Marquez, as well as everyone here at TMZ and Spoke who have helped support this great project. And mainly to you, our listeners, for tuning in and uh, downloading the podcast and listening to our take on everything royal. And following us on this great journey. So until next time, cheerio. Pip, pip. Pip, pip, cheerio. Well, the tea has been spilled, and it's been rather hot. I'm Sean Mandel. And I'm Craig Robert Young, and thank you for joining us on Spilling Royal Tea, the podcast. Spilling Royal Tea is a collaboration between TMZ and Spoke. Use Spoke to find your next favorite podcast. Learn more at hearspoke.com. Maggie Van Dorn is our executive producer, and you can subscribe to Spilling Royal Tea on Apple Podcasts. For more coverage of the royal wedding, visit tmz.com. Yes, you're coming on. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Oh, I was like reading those emails and I was like so jet lagged and I'm like, there's some sort of sexual joke happening and I don't have time to figure it out. <laughs>